Oh, yeah. Dan, I'm Paul. The other voice that you're hearing is Chris. He's the one in Montreal. He's the one. He's the one in uh, in uh, Vancouver. Okay, close enough. Edmonton. Yeah, they're both. It's both Canada. That's whatever. Welcome to Montreal Salsa, the show where we chat with makers and creators who are pioneering through the new pathways in our internet connected world. Hi, I'm Chris, and something you may not know about me, I'm a slumlord of a single parking spot, the smallest one in my condo. There you go. As always, I'm joined by the smartest man in his office studio, <laughs> Paul. Hey. Hi. And uh, today we're lucky enough to chat with an entrepreneur, writer, designer. He's been developing software for over two decades, the CTO of multiple startups. And you probably know him as a broadcaster because by my estimate uh, from his site, he's done like 2,128 podcast episodes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not counting guest appearances like this. It's 5 by 5s Dan Benjamin. Hi, Dan. Hey, how are you? <clears throat> Losing my voice. <laughs> Nice. It's great to be here. This is what I, uh, I, I've really been hopeful we've been we would be able to do for a while since I started listening uh, to Montreal Sauce so many years ago. Uh, so for me, this is a personal kind of you know checking it off the bucket list kind of thing. <laughs> uh, That's great. Because, you know, and, and for me, the way that this show goes, you know, again in looking through the the website that you guys have done. Uh, I see that the way that you guys release, it's it, it's not always a weekly show. Sometimes you take weeks and even months off. It's uh, true. So I'm glad that yeah. I, you were able to fit me into a show. Well, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to be here. I'm happy to be here. I love it. Good. <laughs> yeah, no, wait, I actually... got so many surprises in store for you guys. So you're not, not even going to know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, you should spring some of those on us. So, yeah. uh, so we are talking uh, via the uh, DBX, uh, which I purchased from Five by Five Studios. No wonder you sound so good. Exactly, exactly, and it is piping through the uh, Onyx sixteen twenty i, which I bought a year ago in the previous garage sale. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I'm a I'm a serial uh, I I'm a serial garage sailor. Five by Five garage sailer. As it were, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> First time caller, long right. time garage sailor, and <laughs> uh, yeah. So I would just like to say thank you for all of the equipment. Honestly, I mean, I know I paid for it, but still, yeah, I was thank, say, you, you, thank you, you for actually you, shipping it to me. Yeah, you actually paid for it, and uh, yeah. See, we we do these garage sales because part of part of what I do with uh, like podcast method, which is both a show and a little website is trying to try stuff out, make lots of mistakes, and then tell other people what I did so they don't have to waste money or, and lose time and make the same kind of mistakes that I have made. So part of that involves getting gear and using it and learning about it and then finding out that it's, it's either really good or, or good but not what I need or we, out, we have outgrown it. So in the case I think you mentioned like the DBXs, for a little while we had two different recording rooms set up and now uh, we don't we don't need that. So I had a handful of these DBXs that they're perfectly good. They're sort of solid state things. They don't, you know, they don't really have moving parts that can go bad or anything like that. So it made sense to just sort of sell them at a discount and, you know, save people 50 bucks or whatever and uh, and, and let podcasters who I think desperately need these things. I don't know how much you talk about like gear and podcasting stuff on this show, but 
everybody should be going through some kind of preamp that handles compression and noise gate. Everybody who does, who, who takes their show seriously. And yes, you can do all of this in post. Uh, it's all possible to do in, in, in post-production and editing. But if you're doing something live or you want to eliminate that extra amount of work and you have $200 to invest or in your case, you know, closer to 150 then <laughs> why not why not invest in one of these things and, and save yourself minutes or even hours of time every week when you record? And that seems to be the stumbling block for a lot of podcasters, right? Is that they record something great and then they just dread the, oh, now I got to go edit it or now, yeah. now yes. we have to go, you know, edit the sound and worry about that. And you can take all of that away by spending a little bit of money up front instead of a lot of time uh, later on. Yeah, I I would say I've got my um my history in uh broadcast production from doing uh well I actually have a degree uh but besides the degree before that I worked in uh the lovely uh public access television oh, type nice. of environment for a long yeah. time yeah. for a couple of different stations and uh the majority of our um production had to be exactly that because there's no there's zero budget once you've bought the equipment, you've spent all the money for the year. So um, you have to just show up, set up the cameras, capture it, send it to tape. And what you put on that tape is what's going to get broadcast. Right. Um, so you don't have you don't even have the option of do it in post. Um, and when I got started in that, it was before we even had real good <laughs> economical nonlinear editors um, like, you know, logic and stuff right. like that. So. So, ah, uh, let's see. We have questions. I know how you like no. it when we prepare. I love, no, I like the episodes you prepare. Okay, good. Um, so. Do you have note cards? What do you use? Do you have a certain way that you're set up? We have a, we have a Slack. Yeah. Okay. We use I mean, Slack. that's, that's a uh, new school stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah. actually we just started doing this where we finally realized that we should send each other our notes oh. so we don't like stumble all over each other. Right. You don't like to be surprised. I love that's one of the things I love about <laughs> the live shows that I do, especially like like the the one with Merlin back to work. Uh, I really I mean, sometimes we'll trade topic ideas, but I love to go in surprise. I love to not know what we're going to talk about and and be surprised. Yeah, I think this one is going to be a little unusual for us as well, because typically uh, Chris lines up the guests and Chris kind of does most of the prep. And right. I'm more the uh, the guy in the back room that runs the mixer and makes sure that the recording goes well. And I add, you know, a little bit of uh, color commentary as opposed to uh, kind of running the show. Uh, so this time around, uh, I lined up the guest and I have a bunch of notes and now I realize uh, how difficult it must be on Chris to have to do all that work. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, it's it's not difficult. I think it's kind of one of the things I was going to bring up uh, when we talked to Dan is the fact that uh, we're connecting from all the way in Canada to Michigan uh, to run the show together and we're using Skype. So there's that delay and that latency. So then it's like, OK, do I jump into questions or does Paul want to talk now? So it's like, oh, this is the awkward part. <laughs> You know, I think it's something, though, that, that you've got to be aware of that, you know, they're, they're working on these solutions. A lot of them are like browser-based things that you can use where they, the browser records things and syncs, syncs things up. But at the end of the day, I mean, really, we're stuck with using something like Skype or FaceTime or one of those types of solutions. 
to handle bringing us together. But that's why people still, even now, are using the double ender technique where they're both recording their own side and then they're using that recorded conversation over Skype to make sure that things line up and stay lined up because you just get better quality. But it's, you know, that people are always complaining about you know, the, here's what we need to make podcasting successful for listeners. That's what gets the attention. We need better podcasting clients or we need a better way to listen live or we need a better this, better that. Podcasters, though, we're usually the ones that are, our main complaint seems to be Skype. And I keep seeing people <laughs> resol- trying to resolve this problem with browser-based technology where we yeah. would each sign into a browser uh, client of some kind and it would handle the recording and then potentially even the remixing of that. That's fine. Uh, but I'm still a big believer that it takes a human being with a concept for content and pacing and all of the other things that are vital, I think, to making a good episode to put all of that together. You know, it's funny whenever people listen to our shows uh, with uh, you know, sped up and that'll be called something <laughs> different in every different, you know, sure. app, but well, whatever it is, smart speed or smart yeah. speed, whatever. And it, you know, 1.5, two times speed, three times speed. I understand that because the feeling is that they have a lot to listen to. They're busy. These listeners are so busy that they don't want to hear human beings speaking at a normal pace. And then, and then inevitably you'll get that email or tweet with like, just listen to you guys live. Wow, you both sound drunk. You're talking so slow. <laughs> We're actually not talking slow. We're talking, I'm from the Northeast and I have to consciously slow myself down yeah. so that I'm not talking too fast. We're not talking slow. We're talking at regular speeds. And not only that, but there's a reason that we're talking at the speeds that we talk at. And, and sometimes in case of something like humor, there's a pacing involved. There's intonation that gets lost. So much gets lost when you listen at those higher speeds. I'm not against doing it because I'd rather have people listening to the show than than not listen to the show. But it's just like what you're saying. Like when you're editing something together, you want to preserve some pauses and eliminate other pauses. And, you know, it, it does take a lot of work to produce a show where there's that kind of quality and, and, and caring. But the live to tape, I'm a big fan of live to tape because I always enjoyed talk radio. I always enjoyed talk radio. And I feel like podcasting is the only thing that will exist of talk radio in a few more years that that's a something for history you know yeah i mean i uh, i understand what you're saying about the editing and stuff even though paul usually does it for me it's sort of like i'll listen to another podcast uh, somewhere else and you can tell the two people are the two hosts are in the same room and they you know you have those facial expressions and things you can play off of and so you know it's it seems like a more natural conversation sometimes just to see where things are going where you can interact with someone and sometimes i find that challenging through the latency definitely so, Paul, what were you going to say before I interrupted you? I know you're not actually <laughs> using Dan's equipment and you keep it under your pillow, but uh, go ahead. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we keep it. I keep it, you know, in a very special vault, actually. No, uh, I was going to ask, um, we've heard a lot, or at least I've heard a lot because I listen to uh, Quit uh, quite uh, regularly. Sure. Um, I've heard a lot about your past jobs, Um and all of their all of the various jobs that you've done, um, I can relate to that because I've done lots of food service and lots of 
different kinds of jobs on my way to uh, what I do today. Um, I was going to ask, though, I, I don't know if I've ever heard a specific story on what drove you from uh, co- corporate stoogery and mm. into doing the the five by five thing. And I don't know if you have like a specific anecdote or something you'd want to share that's like, this was the day when I knew I, I'm not going to be the CTO of this thing anymore. I got to go build my own thing. And yeah, maybe it I, wasn't five by five or something. Maybe it was something else. But I mean, I'm sure I've talked about it here and there, but I'm happy to tell the story because I, I, I think hopefully it'll help somebody who's struggling with something. Uh, for me, you know, I had been, I had sort of worked my way slowly up going from different job to job in the technology space and trying out as many different things as I could. And I was never really that happy. Uh, and I think part of it is because I'm much more of a generalist, uh, or a generalist within a much larger context of technology. Like I would definitely put myself in the developer space, but I don't enjoy writing code eight hours a day, every day, week after week, month after month. And I know people, I'm very good friends with people who that's their dream job. Like that's what they want. They love the challenge. They love, uh, they love, you know, meeting the problems. They love learning new languages. They love finding better ways to do stuff and keeping up with technology. And I like that too, but like that was, that's not something I can do every day. Uh, I know other people who are writers, other people who are designers, other people who, you know, are doing training or giving talks or whatever and or leading a team of other developers or IT people or whatever it is. Uh, I'm I'm fairly good at all of those things, but I'm not a super expert at any one of those things. The only thing that I've ever enjoyed that I wanted to do every day was talk about things uh, that I'm passionate about, which, and I'm passionate about a lot of things. <laughs> so, you know, I remember I used to say to my wife, then girlfriend back in college, like, I really want to do radio. And I was trying to do radio. I wanted to get into it. I was a communications major, what we used to call um, RTV, which is radio television, which is now sure. RTF, radio television film. Yep. Uh, and back then it was a separate thing. And I was in that. And I remember speaking to different radio hosts who were fairly successful and them, you know, telling me what, what a terrible business this is. Don't, don't do this business. It's really bad. And, and you'll spend 20 years doing things you absolutely hate, moving all around the country, working terrible hours uh, for almost no pay. And they'd say, what else are you good at? And I'd be like, well, I, I'm a good writer and I'm good at computers. And like, you understand computer. You know, this is back in the nineties, you know, yeah, right. you, you're good at computers. You like, got to do that. Yeah. You've got to do that. Yeah. So long story short, I did that and I did it for many years and always wanted to still always enjoy broadcasting, wanted to be in that space. But I had eventually worked my way up to being like CTO of a startup in San Francisco and then a CTO of a, of a, a technology hosting company. And it was like, that was supposed to be, a big step on that path to, toward that dream that I'd always wanted of being like a C-level employee somewhere, you know, being able to influence company-wide decisions, even if it was a small company and like, mm-hmm. you know, have a, like, this is a San Francisco startup on second, like this is the dream, right? But I was really not happy with it. And I I'd become so stressed out that it was becoming like, I was like having like major stress issues, like physical, mental, all of that. And I said, I've got to, I've got to make a change. I've got to stop doing this. 
So I just decided that I was going to take a break from it. And, uh, and I started getting into working with a friend of mine who had a screencasting business, which wasn't paying all the bills, but I knew that I could do some software development, but I had also been doing podcasts and I'm thinking this is back in 19, uh, 90, no, two, 2000, why did I say 90? There were no podcasts in 90, <laughs> 2000 and you were a eight. pioneer. Yeah. 2007, 2008. I had been doing like the Hive Logic radio sure. and then it, from from a few episodes of that around the time the iPhone came out um you know got convinced John Gruber to do a podcast and so I, yep. I we were making some money and it I realized you know that it's possible to make some money doing this and then I read an article about uh one of my podcasting heroes Leo Laporte yep who had been, uh, it was reported, I think it was a New York Times article saying that he had done a million dollars in revenue, not profit, not salary, but just, just revenue. revenue. Oh, yep. Right. And I thought, well, if he can do a million dollars in revenue, surely I can make enough money to pay my bills if I work really, really hard because I love it and I love doing it. And that's eventually what led to me being able to do it uh, very, very quickly, being able to do it full time and then just growing it into a place where I could do multiple shows. And one thing I want to talk about uh, a little bit is uh, because I think it's, it's worth mentioning is that I had never gotten into it saying, I want to build a network and have lots and lots of different shows. My goal was always just to do one show. Like I wanted to have yeah. essentially like whatever it would be called the Dan Benjamin show, whatever it would be called. Yes. I yeah. wanted to just have that one show that I would be doing and uh, whether it was once a week or once a day, you know, I, I'm still growing up loving talk radio, loving that that day to day being able to tune in to these people who you like, who even though they don't know you, you've become their friends and you get to tune into them and listen to them and enjoy that every day. Like that was my dream job. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, but the thing with podcasting is, especially back then, is that it, it's but still it's hard, so hard to build an audience, right? Like it's really, really hard. Yes. To yeah. build an audience of people who will come back and listen. And I found that like getting a show to go from zero to whatever thousand downloads, like that, that was something I could make happen. But getting it from, I'm just making up numbers, getting it from 20 or 30,000 to 50, 60,000, that happens, but it takes a very, very, very long time and lots and lots yes. of work. And yep. in the meantime, like I've got to pay my bills. All right. But, if I could have three or four shows that all had, you know, 20,000 downloads, well, then I could bill for that. And guess what? Now it, it was like I was making what I needed to make to, to be able to make a living doing it. So that's kind of why I wound up with so many shows at first. And that's how sort of the network kind of got started. It wasn't. And now people will come up to me at events or when I'm giving a talk or something and they'll say, I'm starting a podcast network. I've got these eight shows ready to go. <laughs> We're, I'm, yeah. I, I always yeah. say to them, why? Why are you doing a network? Well, you know, we want to have a show about this. And what, I said, why? You know, well, we have one show. And I remember one guy told me, this is the podcast movement uh, thing in, in Dallas, Fort Worth earlier this year. One guy said, I said, he's like, well, we have one show that's successful and we're trying to grow it into some other shows. I said, why not just make that one show really, really successful? Just put a hundred percent into it. I wish I had done that, you know, back then with just having one show that was amazing. 
and just keeping it going uh, because that's, you know, that's the dream. Like that's what you guys are doing with your show, you know, focusing a hundred percent on, on making that show great before you launch eight other shows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, the, the appeal is still there to do that kind of thing. Yeah. I, uh, I look at it at, well, we do have, we do have one other show, which is called film frown. And that is, as you might surmise from the title, one of those shows where we watch a bad, terrible movie and then we talk about it and review it. But that one is, I would say that's the like, let's just have fun. We'll watch a stupid movie. We'll get some friends together on Skype and we'll talk about it. Um, and how much of an audience that's going to build. There's a hundred of those podcasts out there already, but we're having fun doing this. And it's an, it's an excuse to get our friends together. Whereas I feel like Montreal sauce is the show that we are trying to really build a, build a big audience around, uh, and talk to people who, uh, have interesting stuff to say. And so I think a lot of, a lot of Chris and my questions that we have in our notes here are about that. Like, where do you start building the audience? Does it come from getting the right guests on your shows does it come from um promoting those shows does it come from producing them regularly as you uh joked about us taking potentially months off at a time and things like that um, you know that these are great questions and in the past i would have given you an answer and i would have felt pretty good about it and i would have felt confident in it uh but you know i there is no there really the sad thing is there really is no answer there is no definitive answer to like yeah here's the formula for, you know, for making a show popular or yeah. for, for getting a show out there into the world. There really isn't a surefire way. The reality is that the biggest shows, and that's both defined in terms of audience and in terms of potential to make money, the biggest shows are going to be the ones that are by people who come into podcasting who are already media figures. They're already celebrities of one kind or another. Perhaps they're famous authors, movie people, yep. uh, people yep. from Hollywood, you know, people uh, who already have uh, large, very large followings uh, already. Um, you know, those are the kinds of shows that are going to, I think, really in, in the long term, be what people associate with podcasting, not those of us who have started out in the beginning, uh, who are in these little, these little kind of areas of conversation, but the people sure. who are going to get the attention are the same people who get the attention for being on TV or being in movies or writing books. Those are the kinds of, uh, those are the kinds of big time. I mean, look at, look at Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss did not start out as a podcaster, right? right. He started yeah. out as, as an author and then a TV person and, He's got a lot to say. He's got, he's got his uh, fairly strong opinions and his very interesting life experiences. And he shows up and he talks about them and it becomes one of the biggest, best shows around that people then think, oh, wow, look, you know, Tim Ferriss, that's what podcasting is. Well, yes, yeah. that is yeah. what podcasting is, to sure. be honest, you know, and, 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 mm-hmm. and that's perfectly fine uh, because we want podcasting to be a lot of different things. We want it to be a place where you can go to hear from people who, uh, tell interesting stories or report the news or have great conversations with a panel. There are all of these potentials out there for it. But um, so my first tip or my, for, and this is foolproof advice. <laughs> okay. And I'm, I'm, yes. I guarantee, I guarantee you personally, 100% guarantee you that if you do the following things, you will have a successful podcast 
you will have a podcast that many, many, many hundreds of thousands of people listen to and that will make you a tremendous amount of money. This is, and in fact, it's really just one thing, uh, already be famous. <laughs> and if you can yeah. do that and then start a podcast, it, it will be very successful. Yeah. Anything but that, then there is nothing that you can do that guarantees you uh, meeting with success. You can release your show every single week like clockwork. You can spend hours doing pre-production uh, work. You can record the most amazing show that truly every human would love. You can then release that show after doing tons of post-production work on it uh, and, uh, and 18 people will download it. And then you can get featured by Apple uh, in iTunes and not really that many more people will, will download it. And this is an incredibly frustrating thing because the market for podcasts is super, super saturated. Yes. If I were to ask yeah. you how many blogs are out there, I don't know how we could even figure that out. You could tally up all the tumblers, all the Squarespaces, all the blogger.coms, all the WordPress sites. And I mean, it's thousands, tens, 20, hundreds of thousands of, of individual sites from everyone from, you know, the, uh, the teenage kid in their basement all the way up to a status update blog for, you know, uh, for system status updates from Twitter, like everything in between. That's where podcasts are going. More and more companies are figuring out that podcasts are a great way to talk with their, you know, with their, their potential clients or their existing customers yep. or to talk with, uh, talk with, you know, friends and colleagues and share that information. People who are, you know, like there's so many people who have an Instagram that's followed just by their friends and every picture that they post is just intended to be seen by their friends. They're not publishing for a global audience. They're not taking pictures uh, that they intend for the whole world to see. It, this is a picture of something that's only important, significant, and interesting to this small group of people that, that they have uh, in their little circle. And that's what podcasts can be also. But you have to remember that you're, if you're trying to make a living or grow your show, that you're competing with all of these other people too, the, the people who are in these little niches and all the way up to people who are, you know, uh, Bill Simmons doing a, a huge sports show and everything in between. So it's just, it's becoming more and more uh, jam-packed with stuff for people to listen to. And what's going to happen is the same thing that if the three of us went out and made a movie right now, just, you know, got a really nice camera and wrote a great script and just made a movie with the amount of money that, that we could afford and the amount of press and attention that we could get, very few people would see it. It wouldn't win any awards and it would never be distributed, even if right. it's the best yeah. movie ever, you know, but then you can take uh, a big movie that has a huge Hollywood budget and it has the worst script ever. And, <laughs> you know, it'll make millions and potentially billions of dollars because <laughs> it can get the exposure and it has the star power and it has the collective branding and, um, and media attention that you can only get with, with those kinds of names attached. Well, it's the same thing in podcasting now. So if people are going into it with the hope of, wow, I want 100,000 listeners per episode, or I want to make $100,000 a year from doing a podcast, chances are that's probably not going to happen. And that's okay. You just need to set your expectations to know that, you know what, you may have a hit. You may have the next serial. You may be working on that show right now, but chances are it's not going to happen because that's, that's, there are rock stars in every industry and the rock stars are the ones who are going to get the most attention. 
That said, like I said, you may be doing the next serial. That doesn't mean you shouldn't work hard or you shouldn't take it seriously. Just set your expectations reasonably and do your best work. Nice. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of the stuff that's happening now because of the internet, like we there's just so much stuff now that uh like we need to start talking more about, you know, sustainability versus the idea of the awesome idea of capitalism, which is more more more, you know, like oh, you did really well. You had you know, 18 listeners that episode. Let's get 50 next episode. Let's get a hundred. You know, we, we need to start talking about realistic goals. That's, that's very good advice. I like it. Uh, so knowing that it's, I mean, really the answer is just keep working to build that audience and understand that it's going to take, it's either going to take a long time to build it or some kind of fluke is going to happen. You're going to get lucky and you're going to have that breakout hit. Like those are kind of your two options, right? Like work on it for 10 years or. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing, you know, the thing is, is that I used to tell people my old advice used to be, um, you know, spend a lot of time preparing for the show to make it the best that it can be record and and do a great job recording, spend time in post-production to make it sound really good. Once it's out there, uh, you know, do your best to promote it. Like all of those things, you know, record every week, record like clockwork, show up every week and do it because you will beat such yep. a, you will beat out so many of the other shows that don't record on a regular basis. Just the fact that you record every week, that will build your audience. But, you know, you're only going to be building that audience uh, in some cases, you know, one listener at a time or a few mm-hmm. listeners at a time. If you don't have a pedestal of some kind, Already, if you don't already have, I mean, I love to point at uh, at Dan Patrick because he does such a great job. He he's a, a sports uh, talk radio personality, and he's uh, he's probably my favorite in that space. And his story is an interesting one that he worked his way up, and I believe it was ESPN that he was on. He worked his way up for a long time in ESPN, worked up the ranks, and eventually had a, a nice position there. And then for one reason or another, wound up leaving or getting fired. I I forget exactly what happened. Um, But what he did then is he said, you know what? I'm going to do my own radio show. I'm going to hire my own crew back and I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to rent out a space and we're going to build our own little studio here. And we're, we're going to do this. And it, you know, he, he was basically selling the show himself, trying to get people to carry it, trying to get sponsors for it. And I remember a quote that I read. He said, yeah, this is, it's really hard when you don't have ESPN flag on your microphone. Yeah. You know, it's, yep. it's incredibly difficult, but he did it. And he has built uh, an, an tremendous platform in business for himself. Uh, but even if he had still been him in every single way, but had not come from the, the ranks of ESPN yeah. that, that yeah. he absolutely worked his way up through and earned, but if he had not come from that space, uh, then he probably uh, you know, w- wouldn't have been able to do what he did and have the success that he did. And that's something that I think everybody can consider is that, yes, you can be an absolute unknown and come out of nowhere and say, here's, here's this great show, and eventually people will find it and love it and listen to it. But the best way to get to that point, if, if you are not a Dan Patrick already, is, uh, uh, is through listener uh, support, getting people to advocate for you. Because if, if you get a hundred people to listen to your show and here's the Brady Bunch thing, right? Each, each of, 
each of those people tells, or not Brady Bunch, uh, I'm thinking <laughs> of the little squares on the screen. What was that commercial? It was it a hair product from the seventies where, uh, and I told my friend and I told my friend that yeah, kind of thing, yeah. you know, if, if each one of those people tells three people, then now you've got hundreds of listeners. Right. That's the best yeah. way to do it. It's not iTunes get it featuring you. It's not really great iTunes ratings. Those help. Uh, but it's, it's, word of mouth. It's people talking about how much they're enjoying something that is the only way to build that audience and the only way to keep it growing. Do you think uh, there's kind of room for uh, something better than iTunes for podcast discovery? uh, Like that space needs some work. I know that Product Hunt started like curating podcasts now, but I just wondered what your opinion on was on uh, podcast discovery. I mean, that's another great question. And this is something I think about a lot, especially because I'm finishing up, you know, what is essentially a podcast hosting platform that could hopefully will hopefully help with that problem. But I mean, everybody's got their own directory. Every single app out there for listening to podcasts has its own directory. And initially, all of these things kind of pull from or scrape the iTunes store as a way to to get that starting information and then they build on top of it. I mean, it's such a frustrating situation because there are so many podcasts. And if you were to look at iTunes, it wouldn't seem like there were that many because the same ones are always being featured over and over again. The same ones are, you know, and then something will hit uh, new and noteworthy, which if you don't use iTunes, that's their section to kind of tell people, this is something cool that you should be listening to. Mm -hmm. And you know, they'll, they'll hit that. But like, I have shows that are years old that will show up in new and noteworthy because for some reason we had, uh, we had a good series of downloads or a good set of subscriptions on, uh, an individual show or episode and that'll push it into there. Because some of that seems to be automated. Hmm. So it, you know, but being in new and noteworthy doesn't guarantee that a lot of people will find the show or become subscribers of the show. You might see some good downloads on an episode, but it doesn't definitively translate like that's not a surefire way to getting success or to building an audience. It's 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 a way to definitely get some exposure. But, you know, I, I remember reading an article about somebody who had developed uh, a Mac OS 10 app and their app had become number one in the uh, in the app store. And I think they said that they had like 83 downloads, 83 purchases <laughs> or some ridiculously yeah. Yeah. low number. And you would imagine to yourself, like, if you're the number one app in the Mac App Store, like, you're boarding your own private plane and flying to uh, right. to Cupertino to sit yeah. down with Tim, you know. But, like, the reality is, like, you could probably go and, like, have dinner in a movie with your significant other. And that's that's the reality. Well, I think it's the same in, in podcasting as well that, you know that we have these challenges of building an audience and the answer isn't getting featured by iTunes for discovery though. That's the toughest thing because, you know, like you think about what channels are out there already for people. What are they already using? Well, they're using their iPhones and Android phones a lot. Maybe they have an Apple TV or a Roku. You know, they certainly have a car radio. So within the context of that, let's just look at one of those, look at, look at iPhones. You know, everybody has their own app that they're using. Is it the podcast app? Is it uh, one of the third-party apps that are generally tend to be pretty good? And if so, are they using that for their discovery? Is that how they're going to find stuff? What if they're on Spotify and yeah. you know, Spotify has 
podcasts in it now, especially if you're one of the people who got access to the thing early. But that's not everyone's podcasts. That's just some people's. It includes ours now. Uh, but you can't get yours in there just by submitting it the way you can with iTunes. It's curated and it's heavily curated. And you say, well, that's good, right? Because that means the best podcasts are going to be in there. But that's not the best podcasts necessarily that will be in there. It's just the ones that are already the most famous. Oh, of course, WTF with Mark Marin is going to be in there because it's a famous show. Yes, it's also a really good show, but there are other really good shows too that are not in there. There are other really good shows that are not going to be in Spotify because Spotify maybe has never heard from them or doesn't have a relationship or they weren't persistent enough or they didn't get in touch with the right person on the right day. So many limiting factors. So when it comes to like discovery platforms for podcasts, I mean, it's, it's almost impossible. Like, look at what Apple Music is trying to do with music discovery. Right, it, yeah. It, it's, I will say that the best thing about Apple Music is music discovery. That's the thing that I like it about it most because I had definitely gotten into like a rut with what I was listening to. And now they have all this stuff in For You. The interface is terrible. I mean, it's <laughs> very cumbersome and difficult to use Apple Music. I'm sorry, it just is. It is, yeah. But those... Apple human curated lists, that's interesting. And so for me, when I think about, when I think about the future of finding really good stuff, first of all, you need to have a human involved and it's not humans, plural. It's a human, a human being who is very good in their specific space. So let's say you find uh, somebody and let's say she's really good with knowing about, uh, nutrition and wellness. Let, and, and maybe she's a famous author or TV personality in nutrition and wellness. What's on her playlist? What would she recommend you and I listen to if that was an interest for us? Well, it might be one episode of, uh, of, of this show, which is about exercise. It might be this one about running. It might be this one about alternative uh, diets and you know, slow food and low carb. It might be this other one talking about you know, disease prevention through exercise. She's going to put that together and that's the playlist. That's the future of curated stuff. There's no, right now, there's too many podcasts and too many algorithms and things that just don't make sense, that just don't work. But that needs to be a, a decent amount of her time to listen to lots and lots and lots and lots of different shows, to go not just in the iTunes new and noteworthy section, but to really dive in and find all of the shows. And to be honest, it takes a lot of time listening. It's, look, it's the same thing you've got going on over in the mutual fund space. Like I'm totally the wrong person to tell you what your investments should be, right? Like I said, well, invest in Apple because it looks like uh, they're going to have a good Christmas. Well, most people know, most people <laughs> yeah. know that, right? So the fact that I can give you that advice, that doesn't make me like a long-term investment manager and like a, the person who should be building a mutual fund that millions of people are going to invest in. We need those people in the podcast space. But the problem is there isn't any money in that. Who's going to have the time to listen to 50 shows a day, pick the good ones and put them into a playlist? Apple's making money doing it. First of all, they're Apple. They can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. But second of all, like if you and I and a lot of other people sign up for Apple Music, then that can become uh, something that generates money for them, right? That's $10 a month for every person who's using it. So they can afford to have lots of people who are really good at music putting together really cool playlists. How do you do that on the podcast side? So that's the piece one. Piece two, have you ever heard with very, very few exceptions 
Maybe uh, in particular, I can think of an episode of WTF that had the president on it. But other than that, have you ever heard about a podcast going viral? No. No. YouTube videos, yes. Podcasts, no. Think about why. There's a few reasons why that I can come up with. One of the reasons I think why is they're too long. A good podcast is an hour long, right? We've been talking right. for 45 minutes or whatever already. Yep. Uh, this This might be a great episode of your podcast. It might not, but... The reality of it is, is people need going to need to set aside 60 to 90 minutes to sit down and listen to something like this. Not everybody has that amount of time. Not everybody wants to spend that amount of time listening to something. So that's a problem. Podcasts are too long. Also, think about the way that a YouTube video goes viral. It's something visual. It's something can be easily shared. It's something that's very short. You're in and out. You're done. Yep. yep. Uh, you can't do that with a podcast and there really aren't a lot of ways to take, you know, and, and again, podcasts are all about conversations or interviews or discussions. So it's very hard to pull out a 30 seconds of that yes. to make it interesting yes. enough to, to, to really listen to and to really find. So without turning it into like a sound bite, Right. Exactly. Yeah. The, you know, the average video length on YouTube, four minutes and 20 seconds. That's the top 10 most popular YouTube videos. Yep. The shortest was 42 seconds. The longest was nine minutes and 15, but the average four minutes, 20 seconds. Yep. That's about the, you know, five minutes. That's about the attention span of a human because they're seeing tons and tons of these. And that's what it takes for something to go viral. That's what it takes for something to go out into the world and be seen by millions and millions of people. And you don't see that with, I mean, a, a an insanely huge, a podcast that's mind-blowingly huge, mind-blowingly huge would get 100,000 downloads. Sure. Yeah. If you're doing half a million downloads a month for your show, you, you are one of the very few elite rock stars in the whole world. <laughs> YouTube videos, good ones, get millions and millions and millions of downloads. Uh that's the difference of scale yep. of a five-minute YouTube video versus a 90-minute podcast. So I've got, I've got one last question for you, and then I know uh, you have to uh, head out to talk to uh, Mr. Dalrymple for yeah. Amplified, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so my last question for you is, uh, is there a show – You've got tons of shows on 5x5, five five, but is there a show out there still that you wish you could do, whether it's a format or maybe a topic, just something that you haven't tried yet, but that you feel like it's part of you, you have stuff to say about it, you want to get it out there? Oh, that's a good one. I've tried so many different things, um, and so many of them haven't worked for one reason or another. I feel like, you know, when... When I started podcasting, the format that, that I think I, I spent the most time innovating on and, and trying to get right was what I would call the buddy podcast, which is yep. essentially two people together, like, like your show, two people together talking to one another about a topic or topics that they're fairly interested in. And I, I think that uh, and meanwhile, there are other shows that have panel discussions where the panel is the same or rotating there are, of course, interview shows, and then there's the topical shows. 
the topical shows are the ones I've done the least on. In fact, I've only really done a couple experiments in that space. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of that is because no one topic interests me so much that I'm willing to devote such a significant amount of my time and energy to it. Um, But I feel like something in that space that would involve, and again, it would probably have to be video, but that would involve talking with people about the things that they make and how it is that they came to be where they are and the things that drive them to wake up every morning and, uh, and create something and traveling around the uh, continent or perhaps the world talking to people about those types of things. Uh, that's something that, that's super interesting to me, going and seeing these great things that people are building and interested in making and how they do it. That's a fascinating thing to me that I've obviously never had an opportunity to really do or explore. But as far as like topics for technology or talking about shows or movies that I like, all of that is the kind of thing that, uh, that I've gotten to do and that I like to do uh, that, you know, whenever we get a new idea to try out, we'll definitely try it out and experiment with it. But a project like that seems uh, like something that's really fun and an interesting challenge I might like to do one day. That would be cool. That seems like it would be a good good fodder for a uh, a video kind of show because you could do a lot yeah. of visual visual stuff with all of the travel and exactly. obviously the things that people are making. Usually, it needs to be it needs to be a little bit more tactile than audio. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. for sure. Well, it has been fantastic having you on. Uh, I don't want to keep you away from Jim for too long, so uh, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. I was super excited. So that's it. We're out. Yeah, we can. Well, uh, I'm we, still streaming live. I'm still streaming streaming live too. I'm just saying, I never stop. You know, yeah, never stop. <laughs> always, always be live. You there wake you up in the morning, hit live. People can tune in throughout the whole day. Listen yeah. to you doing whatever it is you do. Justin.tv, baby. Yeah, <laughs> just roll it. Yeah. All right. I, I can take us out if you want me to do that, Paul. Sure. You do something special some, when you the recording. You go out? Yeah, he's got a he's got a little closing statement that he likes. Does to he make. really? Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's cheesy and everything. Uh yeah, thanks again, Dan, for joining us. And uh thanks to the listeners, of course. Uh, those of you who are able to join us at this special time. Uh Paul and I are back in two days at our normal time with uh writer and artist uh Joe Vix and uh be sure to check that out. It's uh, 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, please have a look at our brand spanking new Patreon page at patreon.com slash msauce and consider supporting the show. Or just tell your friends. That helps as well, as we discussed today. Yes. And uh, remember, uh, if life gives you potatoes, well, make poutine. Good night, everyone. Or good day at this time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I want that one A9 iPhone clone HTC is making. Yeah. Can't wait to get my hand. Yeah. That's going to yeah. be awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask you uh, about your Apple Watch return slash re- uh, repair experience because I had a similar experience. Oh, right. Well, I took that thing in um, and uh, and they, they sent it away. Yep. And then they came back and said they couldn't reproduce the issue, but had also fixed it. <laughs> and they gave you the special little Sucrets box, right? Yeah, I got the special. A... I got the special little box. Yep, which is wonderful. And uh, 
And I immediately gave it to my daughter who used it in her dollhouse. And <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't have that watch anymore. I traded it. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, the 42 was ridiculously 42 was too large. big for you. Way yeah. too big. Yeah. Way too big. Yeah, I had a I had a sim- very similar experience where, uh, well, in my case, I dropped mine at the gym and I dropped it without any band in it because I was switching bands and uh, it dented the edge just enough that I could mm. no longer get the other band in it anymore. Oh, that like, stinks. But some bands have the metal and other bands are, are rubber. So I had to use the rubber for a while. But they did the same thing and I kind of expected I'd go in and they'd be able to just swap it out for me. But apparently... That's not a thing they do. Anyway. Yeah, they, they are not doing the swaps. Like there used to be a time where if you had a problem with your device, oh, well, let's just give you a new one. Yes. And yeah. I don't know when that happens in the lifespan of a device. But I, when they said, oh, we have to send it away, I was like, what is this, 1994? <laughs> yeah, like that's, yeah, that that's when really you send my me. Mac away. You know, like why would you not just, because I've brought a computer in there before, full on computer and been like, I've had this for a few weeks. It had this problem. Like, no, don't worry. Here's a new one. Just take this one with you. You got a backup, right? Here you go. Take this home, plug it in. Yeah. And I was just really surprised. I'm like, you're sending it away. Like, is it, is it that valuable of an item for 350 bucks that you're going to send it away instead of just, here's, here's what I want to tell Apple is, here's what you do. You put that in that drawer, the one that, you know, over there behind you, put, put it in there, give me a new one. And you know what? You send that one away and you fix it and you sell it as a refurb. And that's right. what we don't yeah. have yet is we don't have refurbished watch industry yet. And I feel like they have to build up stock levels to do that. That yeah, that's probably that's probably what needs to happen. Or they're just they just feel like uh we're not hitting we're not hitting whatever number we want to hit on sales yet, and so we're just gonna hang on to them as much as possible. Or we you know, we can't hit that production number. So we just have to we're going to hold it close to the vest instead of just doing quick swaps. Right. Anyway, I will let you go. You got, you got Jim. Yeah. I got to go do a show. All right. (laughs) All right, guys. Good talking to you. Yep. Good talking to you. Bye. Bye. 